went on into an iceberg and she went right on down. See the band who's playing in my daddy. Better well, not any better well. Daddy wouldn't let Jack Johnson on board. He said the ship don't haul no coal. Better well, not any better well. That's the juice for the Titanic, folks. She went right to the bottom. She took with her all the Jewish people, all the first mates. She took with him the captain. She took with him the landlubbers. She took with him the mass Marvel comic books, the tennis racket, and 497 and a half feet of rope. Stateside old Jack Johnson White standing up on the pier, he's fishing away. He's got himself a little stick and a line, and he gets a tug, he pulls it on up. It's a big, wet, blue, soggy mess, and on the inside on the line, and written in big gold letters, it says USS Titanic, and stuck right above it was a wet roach. That boy was so happy, he started doing the eagle rock up and down that pier like it's going to start. He's gonna do the eagle rock now. Everybody in for the eagle rock. WIOX is supported by the Delaware County Chamber of Commerce, a catalyst for sustainable economic prosperity in the Catskills, fostering cooperation, forging partnerships, promoting tourism, providing legislative advocacy, and building strong community ties throughout the region. More information at 607-746-2281 or DelawareCounty.org. WIOX is supported by Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center on State Route 10 in Walton, open Tuesday through Saturday for disposal and recycling. Reminding residents and long-term visitors, please wear a mask and observe six-foot social distancing at the center. Delaware County Solid Waste Management Center, hours of operation and information about materials and disposal fees at 607-832. 5800 WIOX is supported by the Old Mill Restaurant, planning on opening soon in Roxbury, former site of the Public Lounge just a few years ago, and the former site of Roxbury's original grain mill and blacksmith shop a hundred years ago. The new Old Mill Restaurant's decor will feature the original mill machinery and blacksmith artifacts and be open every day for dinner, private parties, community events, and streamside dining in the summer. A place for folks to gather, talk, eat, drink, and party. The Old Mill Restaurant. Planning on opening soon in the heart of Roxbury. More information at oldmillroxbury.com. WIOX is supported by Restless Works, a contemporary architectural, interior, and graphic design studio specializing in residential, commercial, and hospitality projects, as well as branding, marketing, and apparel, and web design. Based in Andes, Restless Works does projects throughout the Catskills, the Hudson Valley, and New York City. More information at 845-676-6190, 845-676-6190, or RestlessWorks.com. Hi, this is Andy Cahill, host of the Andy Cahill Show, Saturday from noon till 2 on WIOX Roxbury, serving New York's Catskill region at 91.3 FM, WIOXradio.org, and MTC Cable Channel 20. this thing on? Good 
Good evening, good people of the Catskills and beyond, particularly those out of Memphis, Tennessee, that sent me a letter begging me to have Julian Fleischer on this evening. Um, So I'm going to begin with this. It is the week that the Titanic went down so many years ago. And I've got a joke that Julian is going to tell me whether I'll be reported to the FCC on this one. And it's a it's a joke that you have to be of a certain age to understand. But I'll give you a background. Uh, if the you first, have to explain the joke, then number one, it's taking too long, and number two, it's not going to be funny. Everybody's a critic. <laughs> um, this is the way it goes. The first porno film that came out in the eighties or sixties or whatever was uh, Deep Throat, and uh, and the star of it was a woman named Linda Lovelace. Little little uh, uh, cascade for for Linda. And so this is a joke about her, and, and she's known as a porno person. So you have to just know that uh, This Linda, is not going to go well. Okay, so this is the joke. <laughs> how did... I'm telling you now, stop. How did Linda Lovelace's mother die? How? She died going down on the Titanic. <laughs> okay. But do I get reported or not? No, no, sadly, it's not funny enough. Okay. Uh, well, that's why you're here <laughs> You, we've got a very funny guy here in spite of himself. Julian, it's been years since you've been on The Tickler, but you're here for a second time, which is a, a rarity because most people are either uh, afraid to come back right. or they're, they're morally repulsed by having to spend an hour with me. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for breaking your code of honor and sp- spending an hour. Well, it is Titanic Day, it so is, you know if I'm going to yeah. go down, you're gonna go this down is the day to do it. Go down on Steve. <laughs> Um, when you should I, be so lucky. When I told Julian <laughs> that uh, I was going to have him in everybody's ear for an hour, he said, oh, that's one hole I've never really explored. <laughs> now, that might get reported. Come on, man. Don't drag <laughs> me down. We just started. It's 6.06. It's, it's too early for that. Oh, Lord. Uh, I'm feeling so relieved, and I'm feeling kind of silly to be off the farm. This is a week where it's all started, and it's just been nothing but backbreaking labor, and I'm, I'm achy in my body, but... I'm so happy to just play in my brain with you for a little bit of time. It's such a, such a sort of a, a break. Thank I'm you. happy to provide you with some hot brain play. For those, <laughs> for those of you that don't know Julian, he Which plays is everybody. No, no, uh, he uh, he's kind of the mayor of Bovina, a hidden rock star, as I said in my post and announcing Julian. He he is a a performer, a musician. He comes from a long tradition of musical performance. He has no stage fright. He's, he's also been on radio, had radio shows. He's, he was like the succession plan for, um, a, what was that show, that America's album thing? It was Jonathan Schwartz's Yeah, Jonathan show. Schwartz, yeah. who got kicked off for being sexually inappropriate or something? Well, uh you know, there were three legendary hosts at WNYC who all basically got the boot right around the same time, about six months after I started working there. His particular crimes were not um, of the sexual nature, although, of course, I'm sure I'll be, um, I'll, I'll, I'll be pilloried for saying that because I'm sure on some level there was a natural, yeah. you know, because of the nexus of power and gender and, and race. And, you know, it's difficult to untangle these things. But I would say that of the three of them, the sex stuff really went to Hockenberry. Yeah. And you know, you've got to give him credit because you know, uh, Hockenberry. <laughs> no, he was <laughs> my neighbor, and, and his daughters and my daughters grew up together at a, a, a private school in in Brooklyn Heights. All the rest of it, and David David w- was a cripple. He he had a horrible uh, car wreck, and he he's been in a wheelchair all of his life. And and to it's, be, it's not David, it's John or John. I'm sorry, <laughs> it's been a long time. Uh, since I was in Brooklyn. But I don't think you can say cripple. You know, we're all, we're not even 10 minutes in, and you're going to get thrown off the air for like six what, different you, reasons. What do you mean? He, he was crippled by a car smashing into him. What are you supposed to say? He was compromised? Well, I don't think people use that word anymore. I, that's all. I'm just saying. Well, I'm, I don't get off the mountain maybe much, you, so you got to give me a break. Okay. You know, the, I he, am, Yes, he, he, he was in a wheelchair. And that he got accused and kicked off for sexual abuse. I give him such credit for... Going the extra yard, given the fact that he was compromised or whatever you call people that are crushed from the hips down. 
So um, <laughs> why are you looking at me like I that? do not want to have this conversation. You know, I'm just starting to repair my relationship with that station. Yeah. And the last thing I would like to do at this point is, like, you know, pick at a scab that doesn't hey, want to be picked you can up. put it on me. It, it doesn't mean uh, that it Believe is, me, right? I'm putting it on you. Put it on me. <laughs> And so, you know, and I love John, and, and we, we really— I enjoyed him, too. I was yeah. very sad when he left, but, I mean, there was no denying that his behavior was reprehensible. Yeah, I didn't know that part of him. I remember John at, um, at school when the kids in the third grade performed the class play, and he took out a fiddle, and he, and he fiddled for the musical score, and I, I loved him. And, I, and he had a great joy, and I, and I, and he, I think he was the guy that— that invented the takeaway was he was the first guy on that, that was his show yeah and that was just such a great show it was, was a great show and now tanzina vega is doing yeah. a terrific job a very good job she holds down a, a a really difficult place in the radio sphere and she does a beautiful job what i miss was that he had a, an office full of banjos and guitars yeah and you know i i he frequently let me you know play hang out a little yeah. bit um yeah. so anyway i really did not want to talk about john Mm. On the show, oh well, my God! Well, so you were in a you were in a great position at a great time to take over one of those great shows. Well, why did you fail again? Well, that's a really good question, and yeah. it's funny that you should ask because I've I've just recently started, as I said, <laughs> to kind of like <laughs> you know reconnect with some of the folks at the station, and uh, you know, very simply, when when Schwartz got escorted out of the building. Um, they had an empty chair, but that chair belonged to a living legend, you know. Yeah. And I had only been there six months. I'm not going to lie. I worked really hard in those six months, and I had done a lot to establish myself as as someone who might well get in that chair and, and at least for part of the time take that take those slots. But, I mean, you know, he had four hours on Saturday and four hours on Sunday of, like, prime New York City airtime, you know. And you know, nobody knew who I was, at least not in the radio audience. So they ended up giving it to, to – uh, Paul Cavalcante, who is himself, you know, something of a legend. And, you know, fair is fair. He'd earned it. He'd been, he's been on the air for God knows how many years, and he's super good at what he does. Um, so I, I ended up working sort of in the background and on the stream. I had my own shows, but those, those prime spots went to Cavalcante. But it should be noted, they've also been uh, cut. There's no longer any music on the air at WNYC, which it's is just so, so sad. Um, <clears throat> there's a hostility I, there on the because yeah. there's two sides. To maybe that you station. could bring the maybe there's you could news be the guy on, that, There's the WNYC news side, then there's the QXR music side, yeah. and increasingly they don't they don't cross paths. I think that if there is hope for the world, that you will be the guy that brings music back to uh, WNYC and therefore <laughs> make the world a gentler, kinder more romantic place to be in. But I want you to know this. Well, I did argue to them. I said, you know, the mission statement of WNYC is that we feed the 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 hearts and the minds of our listeners. Literally, that's what it says. And I was like, you know, there's no replacing Brian Lair. He's a he he is an institution and rightly so. And you know, while he brings a lot of heart to his work and he's amazing, I mean, the, the station brings so much to the city. I kept arguing that our hearts require music. Yeah. But also the CEO who was in charge for 21 years, who built it, she ended up leaving too, and that left kind of a gap. Yeah, uh, a gap in 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 the space that that music you know, used to. Well, nature occupy. abhors a void, and the shape of New York's heart is reshaping itself. So there might be an opportunity for you. But I want you to know this, Julian. If for any reason I get kicked off of my show for bad behavior, I want you to be the succession plan. If you ever need a substitute, just bring me in. I'm ready to go. I know. You know how to work the board. You're a pro. Um, aside from just being kind of wired into anything, you cannot, you cannot play six degrees of separation with this guy. You can play one degree. He's connected to everything, and he's, he's kind of old, and he's, he's, he's lived it, seen it all. And he's got, his, he's got a really old guitar with him. You should, you should see this thing. He, it's like it is an object of, of uh, his own personal He's touched You know, I bought so, this thing new. He's touched it so much. It's now, it's like... It's right. got a certain and it's really still out kind of, of tune. Yeah. inappropriate polish to it. No, you know, the thing about guitars is that the older they get, the more... Like, when you buy a used guitar, you yeah. want to buy a well-used guitar. Yeah. This I learned from my guitar player, the guy in my band who's an actual <laughs> guitar player, as opposed to what I am, which is kind of a hack. Um, 
you know, if you buy an old guitar, you want it to have been played because as it plays, as it vibrates and as it settles and as it sort of moves in the world, it gets better. Yeah. It's one of those things, unlike a car, you know, which depreciates from the moment you buy it. Or a marriage. Sure. I wouldn't know. Yeah, you wouldn't. (laughs) Smart smart boy. Um, Will you play us a song that you wrote and conceived out of your own uh, imagination? You want me to start with an original? Yeah, I do. Please. Oh, jeez. Listen to this. This is uh, a first uh, W-I-O-X. To the heart, not the mind. You get the mind when I talk to other smart people. We're talking to the heart of uh, the human condition right now. Do you want to hear... I, I'm prepared to play you a song that I wrote that's on the longer side of songs. It's yeah, a story. Why? Yeah, a ballad kind of thing. Huh? Well, it's it's a little above. Okay, go. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Are we in tune? Good enough for government work, that's what they say. <laughs> uh, so this is a story of... Um, of uh, have you ever been to Brooklyn? Uh, lived there for a major part of my life. Thank right, you. Right, so you'll know what a bad idea that was. This is how it goes. It turned out so poorly. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Allow me. <laughs> I took the F train to follow romance. I figured my left brain had had half a chance. And people will tell you to follow your bliss. Well, I followed mine out to Bergen and Smith. (laughs) That's my neighborhood. Now, summer was hot, but autumn not quite. So before winter's shoulder got colder, I did bid Brooklyn good night. Brooklyn good night When uh, you live your life on the Lower East Side Those outer boroughs are fun to deride Then Brooklyn flashes those pretty brown eyes And you're walking Flatbush at the sunrise But don't you recall as he turned out the light how you surrendered and tendered Brooklyn good night We are folks from Manhattan We think we're so smart But what good's a brain if you don't have a heart? Well, Brooklyn, he made mine start beating again. Beating like it ain't since I don't know when. And Lord knows I fought it with all of my might. But there came a weekend, I weekend. And Brooklyn made me change my tune. It was April. so too soon Brooklyn he showed me things I've never seen a hook that was red and a fort that was green the things you can jam into one skinny jean and as if that weren't enough of a dream a kiss on the glow of the promenade light that made me say goodbye Manhattan that in Brooklyn Like a drum Made me go And made me Blind, deaf, and dumb Cause one night in Ditmas I told him I cared As God is my witness He ran away scared Maybe I really should have been prepared What with the many strange stories he'd shared In which love and kindness were his kryptonite So I got the tab and the cab and Now I no longer 
night to Coney Island of Dreams. Good night to the ponies, the cyclone, the screams. Good night to Bay Ridge and the smell of Old Spice. A smidge of the cheap stuff might have been nice. Good night to go on a skew old love canal. Your charms work upon us, but where are they now? Now that I need your crepuscular light. Good night to all and to all a good night. Good night to the heights. Prospect Brooklyn and Crown. Good night to the boy with a smile like a frown. Good night to the bar where I gave up the fight. Thank you, I got pretty far there. Now Brooklyn, good night. Brooklyn, good night. Oh yeah, Brooklyn, good night. Oh no, your jeans are too tight. Yeah, yeah, Brooklyn, good night. Oh no, the Gershwins were right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Brooklyn, good night. Oh Lord, the Dodgers were. Let us have a moment of silence after that piece of uh, extraordinary storytelling. It, you know, I, I'm, I've been charmed a few times in my life, but, but rarely through that have I been uh, disarmed. That was uh, st- all of us that have lived in Brooklyn. That is our story. Yeah. And Tough town. It, it's, it is a place that gives you everything to reshape. And, and then it snatches it away. I think I heard somebody once say this about traveling to Brooklyn. It teaches you to forget everything you've ever learned, and then it takes you traveling. Um, and that story, particularly when you drop all of the place names and so on, I love that thing. You learn the red, uh, the red and the green, the <laughs> red hook and fork green. Um, it brought me back, and I, I really cut my teeth and lost the last of my innocence in Brooklyn. And, and I lived not far from Bergen and Smith mm. when I was uh, in, in my, my 30 years in Brooklyn. And I remember when I was working on that rhyme, I was like, please tell me there's a subway stop at Bergen and Smith. I need that rhyme. Yeah, no, and you, I was like, yes. Uh-huh. There is a God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do, you, do you write songs often? I do. I mean, yeah. not, not, not often enough. Not, I mean, I've got... You don't have a lot of material up here. It's not like Brooklyn, is it? <laughs> up, the, up there on top of a mountain. You to, you know, no, I mean, I've probably got maybe 25 or 30 songs under my belt, which is by you know professional standards, nothing. Your guest last week, Terry Radigan, of course, must have, I mean, hundreds. Because yeah, she's, she's a, a pro. She's a show-off. Yeah, o- she over just writes songs every day. I take not, forever to write a song. I mean, yeah. I would like to believe that... While the quantity is low, the quality is high. Oh. Well, if your other songs are like what that piece was, then yeah, I would say that you've got a life, a life's effort in that <laughs> oeuvre right there that you can die happy with, with a, a legacy of he. Well, thanks. He, uh, I, I mean, most of my songs are actually very, very short. Uh-huh. Um, that's by a long shot the longest one I've ever written, but. And it took me six months. I'm not kidding. Like, well, that's a Leonard Cohen type thing. You know, but, eight years for Hallelujah, six months for. But but you're Julian. You're not <laughs> um, but I mean, um, when you said start with an original, I like I, in my pocket I have like a ballad that I wrote that I thought would be nice, but not to open the show with. So I th- yeah. when I had to come up with something a little bit up tempo. I'm still kind of all tingly over that song. That was a good song. Thank you. That was a beautiful song. I wonder if yeah, I, you... I, there were a couple of clams in there. I got to say, I, I you know I haven't actually, you know, during COVID, I haven't really pulled out the guitar much. I haven't oh. played much, so I actually really hit a couple real bad notes in there, and it made me think of my my late father who passed away in August, who was um you know great great classical pianist. Yeah, and. Uh, but a very, very down-to-earth man in his own way, very approachable, very funny, very self-deprecating, n- 
he always kind of surprised people who would approach him. Like, yeah, know, I'm, like, I met him at Russell's, and he was just a normal guy. Yeah. He loved being there among us yeah. uh, mere mortals. Well, he, your dad was an, an immortal. Aside from the fact that he died, he um, <laughs> he, was he was an immortal. Yeah. <laughs> at, at the you you made a post where at the age of five, Rachmaninoff, and and hearing him play recommended he not pursue well, the no, piano. Well, no, no, that's not really how it went down. But what I was going to say, if I may, is that he always liked to joke because he was, his technique was astonishing. But, you know, he, you know, he hit wrong notes, you yeah. know, and oh, he, yeah. you know, especially yeah. as he got older yeah. and he had hand issues, you know, yeah. like he would hit wrong notes. And that was part of his thing. And he would, he would come off stage, you know, with one of the world's great orchestras. And there may have been a smudgy passage. And he says, you know, it's not a flesh of concert if there aren't a flute, few clams. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. so. Whenever I make mistakes, I'm few always clams. like, well, you know what? I'm in the family business. And that I mean, not yeah. that I could possibly make that kind of music. But the, the Rachmaninoff story, I just want to say, it came up because my stepmother, uh, Catherine Jacobson, sent me that clip from some scrapbook that she recently came across. And it's a picture of him as a 15-year-old, um, and it tells this story, but it doesn't actually give the details, which, which are as follows. Rachmaninoff came to San Francisco to play, uh, I assume with Pierre Monteux at, at the podium. So these would have been two of the great artists of their time, and, and my father's mother, whom I never met, was a very determined woman if you get my drift. Yeah, and, a tiger mom. Yeah, so she took her five-year-old son, who was already displaying remarkable talents at that age, to see Rachmaninoff. And while he was receiving his encores for that night, she rushed <laughs> my dad backstage, <laughs> right? Good and mom. She, yeah, I mean, yeah. and she busted her way in there. And I guess a few people sort of knew who my dad was. So even as a five-year-old, they let him in, and they stood in the wings and watched him play his encores. And he would come off stage wait for the applause, go back out, come on, you know, and, you know, he, encores are a pain in the ass. So at one point he came off stage and there was my dad and his mom, a little tiny five-year-old boy. And I guess someone indicated to, to the great Rachmaninoff that this was a young prodigy. And, and my dad always described that, you know, Rachmaninoff was almost seven feet tall. And so to a little five-year-old, he just seemed like a, an actual giant, you know, craning his neck to, to see the face of this, you know, giant. And um, Rachmaninoff apparently, according to my father, looked down at him and said, You pianist? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, the applause is still, you know, pouring out from the audience. That's and great. Dad nods his head, um, a little boy nod. And apparently the, the story goes that Rachmaninoff looked down at him and said, Bad business. <laughs> <laughs> turned away, turned around, walked right back on stage and played another encore. <laughs> uh, so that's the real story. And that little clip does not capture any of that. It doesn't capture He didn't tell Dad either. not to be a pianist. Yeah, it doesn't capture it at no, all. No. Bad business. Yeah, and uh, then Dad went on to record some Rachmaninoff uh, records that are truly flabbergasting. I, I mean, didn't realize he was seven feet tall, but I, I guess the, the story is that his size, he had a stretch between his thumb and his pinky that was unremarkable. Yeah. Well, it was, it's why most of his work is so hard to play, because yeah. he, just, you know, he would play it himself, and you know, nobody's got that kind of reach. Yeah. So pianists have all kinds of tricks up their sleeves for yeah. how, to how to make that leap. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So did John Hockenberry, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you listening? WNYC? I see what you're doing. That's called a callback, ladies and gentlemen. Nicely done. I'm trying to get kicked Nicely off. Nicely done. It's um, me who's going to get it. Don't you understand? No, no, listen, They're going to come for it's me. It's my show. Yeah, the buck stops here. I, I am not like a lot of other people in the world. You can't today. even say his name in those halls anymore. Like, is that bad? Oh, oh God, no. I'm sorry to hear well, that. Well, I mean, yeah. Anyway, I won't go into it. But. Um, I want to hear one of your short ditties, please. <laughs> a short oh, ditty. Original only. All right. All right. All right. Now, now I remember I, you can't use bad language. I know, but I'm just worried that on that tune, you know, I played so hard. I want some clams. Throw some clams yeah. out on this one. Too. This is what I'm afraid of: is that you know, on that tune, I strum hard. So <laughs> you're out of tune. You think a little bit out of tune? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's there's something so satisfying about retuning, if you know what I mean. You know, my father's first family from before me and my sister and, and our mom uh, their mother and all the three kids from that marriage and many of their spouses and cousins and uncles and what have you they are all 
harpists. This is very confusing. I, I didn't know this about you. You must have some very awkward family reunions. They uh, it well, all I mean, that harp. It, there's just a lot of harps, like, but it's a very beautiful instrument, and they are all very good at it. Mm. Um, so it's cool. Mm. I mean, I think their uncle Eddie was the chair, the first chair of Chicago for 50 years. I've never heard a family of harpists together playing harp music as a group. It's harp hard to do. There's very do that. Well, it's because it's very hard to tune. <laughs> it's hard to yeah, tune one harp. I I mean, we've we've what, done some stuff together. Uh, the joke is that harpists spend half their lives tuning, and the other half playing out of tune. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny joke. Yeah, right. I've got a I've got another funny joke for you after you play your tune. So, All right, can you hear the guitar now? A Brooklyn I'm playing joke. Very I, softly. I, yes, play play softly for a minute before I, I might have to redial because. Yeah, that's I got it. Shall I move the mic down a little bit? No, I. Oh, I love that the windows are just wide <laughs> open. The windows were picking up that exhaust noise. We're good. Hang on. Okay, so this is a song. I'm going to make this preface only because when I've played it before, people always say to me, oh, do you know that's a Joni Mitchell lyric? <laughs> Oops. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's a Joni Mitchell lyric. Uh, the song is essentially a tribute to her, and all I'm doing is playing with some of her famous lines. Hey, wait a second. You're making the same mistake I made by explaining who Linda Lovelace I know. was. And so you're ruining the whole thing. You're right. It's, it's you're a right. ruined song already. I just want people to know that when I'm singing yeah. the Joni Mitchell lines, I know that they are Joni Mitchell lines. Don't call in and say, like, <laughs> hey, wait a second. Uh, all, right. all right. I'm doing it on purpose. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll get the joke. Okay, I'm going to start again. I can't hear myself. I'm going to take this off. Okay, here we go. Just before our love got lost, you said, Why are you so kind to me? And I said, It was you who asked me to. Who on earth's got time to be? Running round and tearing down And who takes the right thing and makes it wrong Well, don't it go, you never know Just what you got until it's gone That's why you love him like you lose him You got arms, so use him Get to loving while the loving is good Time will always get you you know this and yet you don't do quite as much as you know you could. Everyone's a lonely painter. We all live in a box of paints. We're each alone and far from home. We've all got the same complaints. But they're not real, they just conceal And if you let them, they just go on But don't it go, you never know Just what you got until it's gone That's why you love them like you lose them You got arms, so use them Get to love him while the loving is good Time will always get you you know this and yet you don't do quite as much as you know you could. Seasons come and go, but you got your reason, so what's it to you if they're passing you by? I'll tell you so you'll know if it can come, it can go, and it'll only leave you wondering why. Why? Did you leave me all alone here to cry? Love them like you lose them. You got arms, so use them. Get to loving while the loving is good. Time will always get you. You know this and yet you 
Don't do quite as much as you know you could. Mm. Oh, Julian, that is that is so beautiful. It's such an I'm, I'm we, a kind of a weepy, in a weepy mood maybe because I'm, I'm not physically working and can think about things a little bit. But that song, the the message in that song is so tragically inevitable that it's a cautionary story for all of us to be aware that uh, this love that we have for one another has to be paid attention to, renewed. Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I just realized that both of those songs were written for guys from Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, were they? It wasn't the only attempt I made. There's a a pattern here. Um, So... But then, since you're laughing, let me bring up my Brooklyn joke. I, this is my—I love this Brooklyn joke, and it'll get me kicked off the air. What What does Brooklyn and pantyhose have in common? I don't know, Steve. What do Brooklyn and pantyhose have in common? They both have a flat bush. <laughs> <laughs> that was better than the level. I got a giggle out of you. No, it was funny. Yeah. I, I've also now I'm halfway through this bottle of tequila that you very yeah. strategically oh, provided me yeah. with. So, yeah. You're I also made up. a big error in that song, too. Like, you know, did this you? is the thing about, oh, yeah, I completely, like, not only did I play the wrong chord, but then I just gave up and played no chord. <laughs> the audience wouldn't know that. Well, it's interesting because, you Your know, this COVID period, I'm out of practice. I'm just, yeah. you know. Let's uh, talk about that a little bit because you define yourself as a musician performer and and, and consequently it's an audience that gives you your meaning and 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 you don't you haven't had that for a year it's very and weird. so it, that has had to thrown you a little bit off not only your game and income but a little bit about your own sort of aspirational self-esteem and all the other happy stuff that goes along with a job and a life and a, and a work that no longer has a platform so what's going on there i don't know i think You're, you just said it all uh, that's I can really, only I think, co-sign. I, I think I've just described a tragedy. I mean, it's horrible because, you know, I'm a singer and a, yeah. and a performer, and I really enjoy doing that. Yeah. I mean, it's never made me rich. Yeah. Um, it's barely made me a living over the years, but it is sort of how I define myself, I guess. I mean, no, I don't define myself that way. I just do it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I miss... You know, it's funny. I have I, I I've been living alone up on this hill in Bovina now for o- over a year since COVID came because I'm lucky to have a cute little cabin in the woods and it seemed like the obvious thing to do. And in my basement, over the years, I have built and I have a tiny basement. It's like I've as heard big about as this room. This and it's a little nightclub. Yeah. You know, I've, I've outfitted it with microphones and instruments and. You've, been, you've invited me occasionally. Oh, to the, the th- but I've been afraid to show up. No, I, don't I've, be, don't be. But okay. Even so, you would think, you know, I'd be down there every night just jamming. But, like, I discovered very quickly that without an audience, I don't really want to perform. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm one of those people. I don't know. A lot of people have stage fright. I don't really have stage fright. And, you know, no one's going to confuse me for Ella Fitzgerald or Mel Torme or, or Sammy Davis Jr. or Sarah Vaughn, any of my heroes. I don't have that kind of voice i have a good voice i have a serviceable voice i i can do what i can do and i have a good sense of rhythm which is the most important thing my point is what my performances i think tend to um have is a kind of spontaneous quality i really like to to play with my audience and kibitz and and make fun and and you know like it's a very messy thing and i love that so i went downstairs to like i don't know play stream something into my phone or whatever even in this beautiful cute little nightclub and it just didn't come out yeah so consequently i haven't really practiced much and you know i'm embarrassed to come on the radio and play so many wrong notes but i just haven't been inspired to practice now that you know now that the vaccines are coming out and clubs are starting to to whisper about maybe coming back I pulled it out again, and suddenly I'm discovering that, oh, yeah, this really is how I'm connected to my work. It's through other people. Yeah. Um, th- another thing that distinguishes you from the Mel Tormes and so on, it's not just the voice, but you're different because you have two suits. 
totally made out of sequins. Right. One's black and one's red, I believe, right? And silver. Silver, silver. and black, yes. And they're stunning. And I've seen photographs of you in this thing, and it's it's almost, it's you almost yeah. can't look directly at this. Now, what effect, <laughs> when you're kibitzing up there with the audience and you come out in a, in a silver, you, you look like... You look like the business half of a mermaid, if you know what I mean, right? It's <laughs> all sure scales and flesh, right? Indeed. And I'm sure you're wiggling out there and so on. Do people gasp? Yes. I mean, what happened was uh, I'm I'm friends with a gal named uh, Bridget Everett. Lovely name. If you haven't heard of her, you will soon because she's about to have her own HBO show. She's a she's a, a a singer, entertainer, you know, par excellence. She really is a force of nature. You, you won't believe it till you see it. But her outfits are made by another friend of mine named Larry Crone, um, who lives in East Village. And he makes her these beautiful, crazy sequin gowns and, and, and ponchos and dresses. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's, his, his work is unbelievable. And one night I was watching one of her shows. I've been to many of them. And I was like, I got to get a suit like that because, like, it's just so thrilling on the face. You know, you feel your eyes hurting. And so I called this 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 amazing woman in New York named Elise Fife, who is a menswear maker down on Kenmare Street, which is, you know, the Lower East Side of, of yesteryear of lore. And uh, and God bless her. She's amazing. She makes suits for real people like big stars. And uh, we chose a fabric, and we went through it, and slowly but surely, she made for me, bespoke, this incredible silver sequin suit. The sequins are actually rectangular. They're called payettes. They're not circular. Um, so they have a kind of mirror ball quality to them. It's uh, uh, There's nothing like it. I've gotten more work <laughs> because of this fucking suit than any gig or music I ever played. I haven't seen you at Russell's in that suit. <laughs> No, it's too freaking hot, man. And then we made one out of a black one. Well, like really, really dark blue with with like glass beads that cut you. And it weighs mm. like 80 pounds. It's super fucking heavy. Does it make a noise? Oops. Uh-oh. Now you're going to get it. Don't. don't call it out. No. Let's move on. Does it Does it, um, Does it? it make you sweat? Does it? Oh, make, like crazy. It's and unbelievable. And does it make noise, too, when you move around? No, neither of them does because everything's kind of like, well, really no. So. Noise isn't the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, this isn't the problem. What? Sweating out of it is the problem. And um, is, it, is there a zipper in this thing, or do you have to take the whole thing? Well, they are show suits, so yeah. in fact they look real, but there's all kinds of gadgets and yeah. gimmicks built in to get in and out of it yeah, yeah. and to make sure that it doesn't fall down. Like the fly, the pockets, they look real, but they're not real. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's showbiz. What fun. Oh, my God. I love those what suits fun. so much. We, we've got to figure out how to get you back there on the stage. And, you well, know, the, I mean, I think the way to do it is for everybody to get their vaccinations. Get, get your vax and, and, and then pay attention. What's your website that you announce all of your stuff oh, on? Oh, julianfleischer.com. But there's okay. no C in Fleischer, ladies and gentlemen. It's E-I-S-H-E-R. Um, say it again and spell it. JulianFleischer.com, J-U-L-I-A-N-F-L-E-I-S-H-E-R.com. If, if you want to pleasure your ear again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, yeah, you can go there. There's all sorts of crazy stuff on there because yeah. I've had other careers uh, and other, other things have found their way onto the website. What, what, I, I'm having a little bit of a flashback of some other. <laughs> this is a very odd thing. What what were the other things that you've done? I mean, back in the day when I first graduated from college, I wrote to make a living. I was like a writer, which was a terrible idea. Um, I wrote a bunch of books on grammar and vocabulary building. And then I wrote the only book that I really like is called The Drag Queens of New York, an illustrated field guide, which was on Riverhead in 1996. And, you know, I was hanging out in the East Village and having a really good time. And I was really vibing on what drag was back in the 90s which was cool okay so i have a question for you and i don't want you to be offended or to think that you are talking to an insane person but i'm having this weird memory and it could have been a dream that i'm just recalling oh god <laughs> back when i had a life in a, in a business um, one of our clients was a, a, a group that owned the grand old opry and other because uh, oh, you were in advertising yeah and I was down there doing their annual report, and, and they put me up at the Grand Old Opry Hotel, 
which has a moat that goes through it. <laughs> I don't know it. why this involves me. No, listen. <laughs> I, this is the oddest thing. And I was, I, for, I was wandering talking, around. I'm going to check my grinder because I haven't actually <laughs> okay. seen but what it's no, like no, over in Roxbury. I want you to listen. <laughs> Roxbury's got a water problem, so, you know, oh, be yeah. careful. So don't, you yeah. know. And I'm, I'm in this boat. Mm-hmm. Going through the Grand Old Opera, Uh-oh. and this is for real. This oh, is either maybe it's a dream, and I'm talking to you on the phone, and you're telling me this. Do you have any recall? No, you're that having a deja vu or something. Isn't that strange? I don't have a joke for that. Uh, let's have have another song. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do one that I didn't write. And I'll tell you why, because in many ways I enjoy singing covers more than I enjoy singing my own stuff. Okay. All um, right. It's like... It's, You've heard a confession here? I don't know if I'm the only one. I just feel like it's yeah. it's easier, like there's less, the stakes are lo- aren't as high, and I don't know. I just, I, when I came to singing, I didn't write a song for like 15 years into my career. I was just getting off on singing covers, you know, whether yeah. they were old or new, whether it was like... You know, Cole Porter or Prince. I just liked singing the songs that I loved. Yeah. So, um, okay, let's see if I can do this. Uh, this is from 1920. Now, Liza Johnson and her man, well, they had a falling out. Things got rough, but he came back last night around nine o'clock. Well, he put his key in the old keyhole. But the key didn't fit the lock And just as he was about to try again He heard Miss Liza shout You got the right key But the wrong keyhole <laughs> I couldn't get along with you to save my soul so yesterday I went down to the hardware store and I got a new lock for my front door. I got a new man. He's better than you. He starts his loving where you get through. So take a tip, my honey, and leave my door because your key don't fit in my lock no more. You got the right key, but you're working on the wrong key. Oh, permit me to sing bop.
Yeah, baby. Now, that was a dirty song. That was dirty. I think I need to go wash my hands for a minute uh, and get the... That was so charming. And you know what I really loved about it? I wish that this was like a, a live uh, Zoomy thing yeah, so I'm you so could watch Julian sing this. When he went into that scat stuff, here is a man who has been uh, in a house on a mountain <laughs> wondering what the F for a year, and he blossomed. You were having a lot of fun nah, scatting that sweet. stuff. Well, it's funny. That's what I'm saying. Like, other people's songs are sort of easier. Like, yeah, but that was When I do my own pretty. stuff, you really want it to go across. You're like, everything oh, has to yeah. work. It's like a Rubik's Cube, and you get all nervous. Anyway. You had a lot of fun uh, with that song. I did. I, I think so. I... <laughs> um, if I'm any judge of fun, well, I mean, which I might I, not be anymore after. Song. I wish I, I think it was Ida Cox who wrote it, but I'm probably 1920. Wrong. Pat, you know, I, I'm reading um, a book of Balzac short stories. Um, and he, I he, knew you were going to say Balzac today. Ball, Balzac. Everybody <laughs> loves balls, Balzac. Come on, um, don't don't grind it into the ground. And um, and. And the preface to these short stories are that the the puritanical movement that came out of England ruined European sexual fun and frivolity and hijinks. And he said, back in the day, we had so much fun and there weren't all of these rules and regulations. And it was what it was. And it was messy and and hot. And and I'm going to put a collection of stories about the way we used to be. And and they're just these ribald, clever Clever, deep, funny no, I, stories. I want to read these. I'm, 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 I'm in the mood. I'm, I'm hungry for it. I and feel, you know, that 1920s song is is a Balzacian song. It's clever and funny, and dirty and um, yeah. But you know, you can do that with anything. <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> sh- show me now. <laughs> Ducky, you're the one. You make bath time lots of fun. Rubber ducky, I'm awfully fond of you. Rubber ducky, joy of joys. When I squeeze you, you make noise. Rubber ducky, I'm awfully fond of you. Every day I make my way to the tubby to find a little fella who's cute and yellow and chubby oh you know rubber ducky you're so fine i am lucky that you're mine rubber ducky I'm awfully fond of a rubber ducky. I'd like a whole pond of rubber ducky. I'm so fond of you. Case in point, proven. So the question on the table after that is, do a lot of people fall in love with you? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- th- why? Why not? I don't know. Uh, it's probably because um, of my looks. Them. The <clears throat> suit blinds them. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> but love is blind, so it, it should work in your favor. That, you're, you're <laughs> wow. Very, you are a very Thank charming you. guy. Thank you for bringing that. Um, Thank you. I deserve I think that. that. I think you're just being emotionally humble right now. I, I would guess that as a performer, you get um, sort of uh, underwear and flowers <laughs> thrown at you all the time. Underwear and what? Flowers. Flowers. Uh, mm. I get things thrown at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, Music is a bad business. Bad business. Bad, bad business. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know. What can I tell you, man? I mean, it's not like I, I, 
I'm doing okay. I enjoy being single. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, this is a good time to be single. Yeah. It's a good thing you've got that attitude because you really have no choice. Right now, <laughs> none of us really do. I mean, I just feel like this would be a terrible time to be married, you yeah. know, to be stuck with somebody in a and situation where you really cannot get away. Yeah, thank you very much for that. <laughs> well, you're lucky. Your wife is, is magical. She's, like, from she, another planet. She is from another planet, and she does – it's not like I'm stuck with somebody who's, like, that somebody for a year. She changes by the hour, which is, for oh me, God, that's like necessary. a that's like a Billy Joel song. Um, and <laughs> – and I love it. And, you know, some your songs, particularly that second song that was about sort of the cons consequences of not keeping it going, um, really kind of like touched me about how you, we have to work hard all of the time at reminding those things that are just around us all of the time, how special they are. Um, do you think that chefs are, are also in the same spot as musicians? Yes. That they, Absolutely. Because, I think about this all the time, yeah, actually. Because I, I'm sure that they've all got a stove, but I'm sure that they don't want to cook because like you and your, oh your my God. nightclub. Well, allow me to say, you know, I know we're running out of time, but I'm very blessed that one of my dear friends in this world is uh, a chef named Gabrielle Hamilton who runs Prune, Ooh. the restaurant, yeah. you know, just blocks from my home. And uh, we talk all the time. And in fact, we, we actually fantasize about having a show called Sing for Your Supper, um, which is a cooking show about music and a music show about cooking where we sort of try and see where our, our passions overlap. And I can say that it's been really, really, really brutally hard on restaurateurs as well as musicians because for obvious reasons they have these small rooms full of people talking, breathing, laughing. Yeah. And what's, you know, what is food if no one's going to eat it? Yeah. And I know that if 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 you if your listeners have not read her piece from the New York Times magazine from last summer about closing the restaurant prune which for people who don't that. know is is a legendary restaurant I commend it to you it is an extraordinary piece of writing about the seriousness of this time. I mean we've we've giggled a lot and I love that but if you want to read about a person whose livelihood and the livelihood of many people around her has really shifted, and without any sentiment, without any bullshit, just really smart, moving, breathtaking writing, please send your readers and listeners to the New York Times Magazine. It must have been April or May, maybe June, when Gabrielle Hamilton's piece came out about shutting down her restaurant. It is breathtaking. And now no, someone has entered the room. Not, not all, this, is, uh, <clears throat> this is Stan, Captain not Tripp's. Getting ready to three hours of the Grateful Dead. Oh. And we're, we're coming to a close, and the hour has gone by uh, always with somebody like, like Julian. goes by way too quickly. And Somebody come, just texted me about this song. <laughs> I think we have a listener. Yeah, we do. Um, we have thousands of listeners all over Excellent. the world. Excellent. Hi, everybody. And we're going to be getting the cards and letters in. And remember, if you are independently wealthy and the market has been very kind to you, send checks to Julian. Please. Uh, because he's been, like, on a mountain by himself. Well, one thing uh, I'm going to do, and I just want to, I want to say is um, your address. So that I'm building an outdoor stage on my little patch of grass up here. Yeah. Because a lot of my friends live nearby. A lot of great performers and musicians live in the Catskills, like and we don't Terry have gigs. Radigan. Terry's here. You know, you've got Alan Cumming in the area and, and, yeah. and on and on. And uh, hopefully before the, the summer gets cooking, we'll have some nice outdoor this shows. That's a great idea. Um, with money that I, was, uh, I received as a grant from the Public Theater in New York, I'm, I'm yeah. happy to report. So hopefully, you know, we'll, we, artists are resilient and creative and, um, you know, nothing if not determined. So maybe we'll figure out some. You'll some figure ways. it out. And with the help of the Evening Tickler audience, the stage will be filled to overflowing with kind people that will fall in love with you even though you look the way you do <laughs> in <laughs> spite Steve. of that. Uh, Thanks, Steve. You're welcome. <clears throat> uh, Thank God my parents are dead. They, they, would, they, would, they, would, they would blame me. They, they would, would say, would. my Believe child me. is perfect, <laughs> you, and they would come in and oh, whip boy. me out of town. <laughs> I'm used to it. I've got to scar tissue. A guy who just spent an hour with you that I have fallen in love <laughs> 
and that it, it but I all well, a lot I, of good it does me. It doesn't do you any good at all. <laughs> but I say that for everybody out there that is looking for love in all the wrong ways. <laughs> Julian is available uh, and well, waiting for your true. calls. And, and uh, don't forget the checks. All right. Uh, checks, checks I checks fear I mean that sex is here to stay Rubber ducky <laughs> <laughs> Man, you are a classic Class act Thank you, Julian Alright, thank you, Steve Good night Good night <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>